Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Command Zone. It's episode number 31. My name is Jimmy. How's it? It's Josh Lequai. And today we have a very exciting episode coming up. We have a special guest and a special topic, one that doesn't actually relate to gameplay so much, but we're going to talk about organization and taking care of your EDH slash commander collection. And of course, we brought someone in that is more than qualified to help us dissect this entire... Uh, an expert, if an you will. expert, indeed. Uh, it is not just the expert. We're talking about a scholar. We have the professor from Tolarian Community College here on the show today. Oh, hello. Such a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you for coming on the show, first and foremost. And uh, we're all in different locations today, by the way. I'm in Palm Springs, Josh is in uh, L.A., and the professor is at college, I guess. Yes, Tolaria East. Tolaria <laughs> East. We're right across the street from the mall. Uh, you know, we're, we're not as we're not as prestigious as the Talarian Academy fighting the Phyrexians. We are just reviewing card sleeves and boxes mostly. But, you know, we do have an AA degree. I'll say you guys are also fighting the good fight. So <laughs> I'm glad you are doing it. So let's talk a little bit about uh, what Talarian Community College is, actually. So can you give us just a brief rundown of what your videos are about or, or what you do? Sure. Uh, I have a YouTube channel called Talarian Community College, which is a play on one of the most famous uh, magic cards of the old days, Talarian Academy, which was so powerful it had to be banned in most formats. Uh, yep. Broken. Yeah, <laughs> Except- very broken. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And so I wanted to do videos about Magic the Gathering products where I gave a very scrutinous and critical eye to them. One of the things that I found so frustrating is that unboxing videos, and I don't mean to, I I don't really do unboxings, but I don't want to Mm -hmm. disparage against anyone who produces that. I'm all for all content, but it doesn't always offer an evaluation and, and it just shows you what's inside the box and without a lot of uh, critique. So I really wanted to be able to provide in-depth critique for card sleeves, deck boxes, and basically Magic the Gathering products because a lot of people don't have money to try out every pack of sleeves. There's so many sleeves on the market and you can't just buy two packs of each and every brand and style to see what's best for you. 
Yeah, you know what? I, I realized going to stores as an adult, I'm like, you know what? I'm I I've seen these products before. I know that I like this specifically, but I can't imagine being young, going in with five bucks in your pocket and you have a like a, a shelf of eighty different kinds of sleeves and boxes in front of you and just not knowing where to start or what to do. Right, well, and can I'm- can I just say how awesome is Magic: The Gathering as an adult, where you have an actual paycheck as opposed to your allowance? <laughs> My I mean, goodness, it's, it's simultaneously awesome and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> I would also say there's a lot of people. You know, we all live in city centers, so we have a lot of LGSs to choose from. But there's a lot of places in this country and other countries where you know your only option is to order it off the internet, and ordering stuff off the internet is really tough because you know you're just looking at like this 2D picture and you don't know. Like what you can't even tell if it's plastic or cardboard or leather or what sometimes. (laughs) And so having being able to see somebody handle it in 3D space and and do the things you would do if you were testing it out, like shake it or, you know, knock on it with their hand or, you know, see if that latch is really secure. And and you get to do all those things on your YouTube channel. And um, I think that really helps. I mean, geez, I watch all your stuff you know, all the time just to see like, should I buy this thing? It, you know, let's, and if I'm even looking at a product, I'll, I'll go back and, and go to, to, to Laren Community College and be like, did he review this product? Because, you know, it'll really help me make my decision. So you're providing like this awesome uh, service to the community. So thank you so much. And if you guys aren't checking out this, this channel, like, you have to go check it out. <laughs> you you really got it. Do. You got to subscribe. It's a uh, youtube.com slash Talarian community. And on Twitter, it's twitter.com slash Tolarian College. So together you get Tolarian Tolarian Community College. <laughs> yes, they wouldn't <laughs> let me. They wouldn't let me, YouTube or Twitter, have Tolarian Community College. And I must have been uh, thinking cross-eyed when I did them both. So one of them's Tolarian Community and the other one's Tolarian <laughs> College. But put it all together, you got the, the, the three words. You got, you got all three of them <laughs> together, yeah. Actually, it's kind of funny because every time I, I was uh, on Josh's last point, whenever people come over and we play EDH at our place... Uh, people are always like oh my gosh where'd you get that sweet binder from we're like wow like this deck box is cool like where'd you get this and we always sort of toss around those same compliments like matt has a new deck box or josh got you know a sweet one that holds his deck and his tokens and it's always like a point of conversation before you play is like to look at the gear and the swag so that's another reason i love the channels because i can make sure that i spend my money in a way that is both impressing my friends but also buying the best stuff on the market well, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you're going to spend, especially for Commander, some of these Commander decks are very expensive that people put together. If you've got a $500 and up Commander deck, why are you putting it in a $1 cardboard box? <laughs> yeah, it's a really good point. I, I also think like one good thing about your channel, not just like telling me if something's good, but also introducing me to a lot of stuff that like I would never know about. So that's another. Yeah, like, definitely. Real- because I see stuff on there all the time. And I'm like, I have never seen that. I need that. <laughs> I need that thing so bad. <laughs> it, it's it's good for business, good for customer, good for everyone, the way I see it. It's it's always yeah. a lot of fun. I, I recently had uh, quite a run with some products that were previously only available in the UK, largely. Oh, and uh-huh. they were able to be shown off here. And people asked their local game stores. People asked the distributors. And it's it's something that now they can get because they knew to ask for it. And vice versa. There's a lot of companies that I think Legion isn't really established over in Europe yet. And so when they see those products, I, I encourage them, ask to see if you can get a hold of them. Uh, yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Well, and like Jimmy said, like, Commander players especially like to bling everything out. So yes. that includes 
buying all the foils, but that also means like, yeah, I want the awesomest dice. I want the coolest dice bag. I want the yeah. coolest deck box. Like, that's just the way we are, especially Jimmy, especially Especially Jimmy. me. I like shiny things. I can't help myself <laughs> because I tell myself like, well, in the future, it'll sell for more because it's shinier. <laughs> bling, bling, yeah. baby. We'll see if we ever sell anything. Who knows? Um, let's talk about actually very quickly. You have a new project. It's a podcast as well. And it With is a buddy of ours. A good friend of ours. Yeah. Uh, Wedge from the Mana Source. Good old Wedge from the Mana Source. Yes. He and I were talking for a long time about collaborating and as we were talking to each other about collaborating, we found that we got along like a house on fire. We really <laughs> just, it was just like, we'd look down and we'd be like, holy, have we been talking for two hours? Is and, this and, house still burning? Yeah, and and just about magic and enthusiasm. And it just came up that a podcast seemed the most likely collaboration between us because we had so much to say to each other and with each other about these topics and so instead of just doing like a quickie little cameo video for each other's channel which then doesn't really lead to anything mm -hmm. the podcast seemed the likely result and so far we only have two episodes we're we're working we would have had our third one done but he has got that killer space virus cold that's oh, going gosh. around right now you know the one where it's a cold but it lasts for two weeks in your yeah throat. It's, oh, i've seen it, him tweeting about it uh, also isn't he buried under like 27 feet of snow right now too? <laughs> yeah right because he's east coast uh, i'm pretty so. sure it's the same cold that i had and i will i might be coughing during this episode because i'm literally still getting over it and the fact it's that it's been spread, like weeks man the fact it, that it spread from L.A. to New York now is terrifying. <laughs> it won't go away. It's It really is the space virus. It just will not go away. We've been, and we've got a, a, a kid in our house, and so my wife and I give it to each other. We gave it to our, our, our toddler. He gave it back to us. It's just we can't get rid of this thing. But yeah, it Wedge has it. might be a, a precursor to Phyrexian invasion. This might be oh, a sign. No. Oh, no. It's the Phyrexians. You're right. Does <laughs> Does the virus not die to removal? <laughs> wink, wink. Womp, 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 womp. Oh, yeah, did we say that? That's the name of the podcast? That, oh, that would help. Removal. That would help. Dies yeah. to Removal is the name <laughs> of the podcast. Removal. You can find it. Where, where can we find the uh, podcast? It, it is going to be published on our respective YouTube channels, the Mana Source and Tolarian Community College, and we're going to alternate. So it's nice. kind of going to serve as a bridge between us. Each of us has a playlist of all the episodes. So as we continue doing it, all you have to do is find any one of those playlists from either of our channels. And YouTube actually lets you subscribe to playlists so that whenever a specific playlist is updated, you get that update. Oh, and nice. so the first episode was on his channel. The second episode was on my channel. The third episode, which will be about Commander as well, will be on uh, his channel and back and forth is, is how we figured it out. But we're also on iTunes and uh, SoundCloud. So you can also look us up there for Dies to Removal. Awesome. Now, does the podcast have like a... Um, a goal or a, cause I know like your channel is sort of product review. You do other stuff, but that's sort of the main focus. Does the podcast have like a focus that it, that it's trying to aim we, at? We want to cover, we want to cover all aspects of magic that you can get excited and enthusiastic about. So we're probably less than any other topic, uh, focusing the least on maybe spiky strategy uh uh gameplay in that intense training and skill set there's already great podcasts about that by a lot of pros out there but we want to cover 
the other topics, the topics that people who maybe aren't pro players and are at the casual and up level. Like I like to call it the Friday night magic level where you mm-hmm. love the game. You go down to the game shop every week. You go down to store events. You play with your friends at the kitchen table as well. You want to play it correctly, but you just love the game and we love the game. And that's what the, the podcast is about. We talked about uh, modern and the modern bannings in our last episode. Prior to that, the first episode we were talking about, oh gosh, wow, I'm having, I can't remember. I've, we've only done two episodes and I've forgotten the topic forgot. of the first one. How do you guys do it at, at 30 plus now? Um, <laughs> what, what, we don't remember either. I don't right, remember right, either. right. No, I the don't first one was Fate Reforged spoilers. That's right, because yeah, right yeah, when we yeah, finally, yeah. We, we talked Fate Reforged and Standard and the new Standard environment that Fate Reforged was, was uh, bringing about. So we're going to hop around. We want to cover lesser known formats too. Popper and Tiny Leaders and regular old Highlanders is definitely on the plan board. We want to just cover everything except the really intense pro stuff. Although Wedge is kind of a spiky player, by the way, so he might uh. strong arm me into to going that direction for a few <laughs> episodes as well. I, I like that. You know, one of our goals has been to sort of aim at what we call the kitchen table player, because that's like most magic players, right? Most people aren't trying to go pro. They're not trying to like make their living at it. They mm-hmm. like the game and just have you know, fun. Yeah, but they're not buying four of every mythic rare that comes out or anything. So, yeah, I, I think that that'll appeal to our, our audience for sure. So if you haven't checked out Dies to Removal, go find it on uh, Tolarian Community College on YouTube. Uh-huh. And, uh, the man. Yeah, I'm sure that'll, like- that'll take you right to it. Yep, and uh, of course, as always, we'll have all the links in the uh, the more info box slash description slash show notes, so you can access it all there. So, Professor, let's talk about you and your history with EDH and Commander. Now, I've seen on your channel you've put various Commander decks into deck boxes to a both see if your cards will fly out of them when you <laughs> shake it, uh, and also just to see if they'll fit inside. And so, clearly, you have a history with the game. So, uh, what what decks do you play? Do you have a play group? Do you go to your local game store? What's your uh, what's your story? Well, I used to go down to my local game store to play Commander, but uh, ever since we had the birth of our son, it's very hard to get out of the house for five, six hours at mm-hmm. a time. And so luckily, we moved the playgroup over to our house, and we've got a small circle of friends who are more than willing, thankfully, to come over and play in our living room just about every other week, I'd say. And it's a small group of more like three to four other players. It's a good number, yeah. It is a good number. I I actually really like that total three to four number sweet spot. I think five is really the maximum. And as someone who sat down once and never again at a eight-person commander (laughs) with absolute strangers that had formed at our local game store and just was essentially begging people to kill me so that I could get out of that game. <laughs> I think, you know, we played a game, um, I think it was after the Super Bowl with seven players. Oh. And actually, I was surprised. It was fine. I think, oh. though, the strain, like in your story, you said seven strangers and you, mm. that's the part where it can get a little a little tough because we yeah. sat down, we looked around, we knew it was going to be an issue and we just said from the start, okay, Everyone's going to have to move like extra fast. Otherwise, we just can't do this. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we got to do that. And then with that agreement from the beginning, it was fine. Uh, the game flowed smoothly. People just didn't think that long. If they started to, the whole table would be like, dude, we said. <laughs> and 
and they'd be like, yeah, okay. And they just do something or say, okay, pass turn, you know? And so I think you can run larger games um, because we've heard this from a lot of people. I know the guys at five commanders, they have like this rule. Uh, the five commanders is another podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've played EDH with them a couple times and they have this rule, this, I don't, they call it something like the golden rule or something and where they don't like to go above four players. Yeah. And um, yeah, we, we go above four I mean, Pretty we often. like five. Yeah, five. Yeah, I'd say five is where we find the perfect sweet spot. But our playgroup is so cognizant of when you get to those numbers, you know, four, five, six. Six usually will play two on two on two or three on three. But yeah. anyway, it's just saying, like, from the start, we're going to have to move fast because otherwise it's just going to be unbearable. So, yeah. Or we add in secret partners, which is what we did post-Super Bowl. That oh, also yeah, we're gonna have to do a, We're going to have to do a whole episode on secret partners. Yeah, we definitely will. Uh, so what um, decks do you play? Well, I have, I'm afraid I'm one of those commander players who builds a million decks and then never plays all of them. <laughs> uh, the deck of mine that sees the most play is probably my Tesa deck, Tesa Orzov Scion. Oh, that's the different Tesa, right? Where you can tap uh, soldiers or white creatures to exile? Uh, no, it's the original Tesa. Not different, but original. She was the first. Uh, the reprinted one, I'm not a big fan of, but she gotcha, lets you, she lets you not tap but actually remove uh, white creatures from the game in order to exile right, right. your opponent's creatures, uh, anyone that you can target. And you can get another really nice aspect going, which is that whenever a black creature dies, she will place a 1-1 white flying spirit token into play. And so you can get some real crazy combo engines going with her whether you want to go full power infinite combo where you can play something like darkest hour which turns all of your creatures black so when you if you have a sack out outlet like uh, uh viscerous or oh, wow. skull clamp then you kill a black creature and since a black creature died she puts a one one white flying creature into play but darkest hour makes that creature black and so you get infinite creatures with a sack outlet and it can go off the rails from there. But you don't have to play that powered up version of her because if you take Darkest Hour out, it's very hard to go infinite and you just get these powerful moments where you sack a black creature, get the white creature, sack that white creature, and that is then the end of that chain, but you still did a lot of damage. And one thing I like about the deck is that I actually sat down to a five-person total commander game where the other four players were all using the pre-constructed decks right out of the box. Three of the four of them were not hardcore players. They were very, very new. And I just took Darkest Hour out and sat down and I did not go off the rails. I actually lost with it. And so it's got this great power level switch where I'm still playing with my favorite commander and with one of my favorite commander decks, but I can, like a dimmer switch, control just how powerful it is. And there's a couple other cards you can swap around. That's a that's a really fantastic uh, point about being able to do that with decks because I feel like, you know, like a lot of decks are just taken to the next level by one or two cards that once they get out really shape the board. Um, so I, I, I think that's all, that's also something we could spend an entire episode talking about, but that's really great. I, uh, I tried to put taste in the deck, but I realized it's, you definitely have to build a little bit around her to make her really effective. But once she gets going, <laughs> you're just taking out creatures left and right. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's amazing. She, and I love the flavor for her. She's a real good example of 
Yes, it's great that she's a super powerful card, but I just love the flavor. I love the character. If you've read about her character in the storyline, it's really, really engaging and gets me excited. So I'm a big fan all around. Definitely. Now, how many decks would you say you have total? I mean, that's your favorite, but... Uh, of commander just of commander yeah. okay good that's a countable number uh, because i do i do this for just about every format i play my wife gives me endless trouble about it because she keeps just one deck in each format and so whenever she buys a card for one of her decks and i kind of cluck my tongue and go wow you're spending that on that card and she'll say how many decks do you have yes i can buy <laughs> the four dollar rare for my one standard deck thank you very much um i have i think at the moment Five assembled commander decks, and I recently took a couple apart. And I'm looking to actually disassemble, or maybe I'll do a giveaway on the channel with it, uh, one of my oldest decks, which is a, a foiled-out Slivers deck with Sliver Overlord oh, nice. as the commander. Nice. It's just too much. He's the oversized sliver card, right? Because <laughs> it he, is too yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, he is. It's too much, and I'm finding that the 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 games, while he definitely wins, is it's not a, a fun win for me anymore. And I kind of leave him as a if I, my other decks are in use or not with me. I kind of have it in a small compact box. It sometimes gets grabbed, and I'm never really looking forward to playing him much anymore. I really liked it in the beginning, but I think it's time to retire that deck and find yeah. another worthwhile successor. I think we all have that moment, too, where we build a deck that we know is just able to really win, like win hard, and we always play it a couple of times, and I, the <laughs> I think the table usually reacts in a way that either makes us go like, all right, cool, I don't need to play this every single time anymore, but I can I can definitely understand the feeling because Slivers, the, they have endless energy. Oh, yes, and it's just they get out of control fast, and if, if I, I think, like, not to, to sound cocky, but if I had sat down with the Sliver deck with those four players the other night, there's no way that those pre-con decks could have handled what I would be doing with the slivers in play. Yeah. And it, it, that's part of what I don't like about it. I mean, I play commander to play commander. Um, and so that it, to me gets less and less appealing. Like I've, I've also got a sapling of Colfinar deck, which is a really underplayed and underrated commander, by the way. It's a perfect commander for people starting out because you can put the deck together really, really cheap. It mostly is using tree folk from... Lorwyn and a few other sets that you can actually just pick your favorite tree folk or Ents as we like to call them. <laughs> and the sapling is just such a fun, 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 but medium powered deck. And it can go toe to toe with a few of the more competitive ones and overwhelm them and have some answers, but it can definitely sit down and get some really enjoyable gameplay with like the pre-con decks or somebody that's done just one of their first commander decks, you know, where you just take the cards you have available and it's just, well, here's what was in my box. And I put these two to three colors together and it's probably <laughs> a deck in need of tweaking and upgrades, but the sapling deck is not going to decimate it turn three and you can get a full game and show people who are experimenting in the format why it's a fun format. Yeah, I've always wanted to build a tree folk tribal deck. I think that I mean, definitely the card cost is also very much down, and there's lots of fun uh, commanders you can build around, like Duran uh, is one of them, for instance. Duran is read, super let fun. Let me read Sapling really quick, because it's not a commander we've talked about before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Sapling of Kolfenar is 
three and then two hybrid black green, so five total. Uh, she is indestructible. Whenever a sapling of Kulfinar attacks, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, you gain life equal to that card's toughness, lose life equal to its power, then put it into your hand. Oh, very nice. So you're definitely. I don't trying. think I've ever seen a, a sapling of Kulfinar deck. Uh, it yeah, is so underrated. It is so underrated because you're going to have Treefolk Tribal, and Treefolk have the larger defense almost always mm-hmm. by a lot than its power. So what? And it's indestructible. And how awesome is an indestructible commander? That is just a load off your mind for so much of the removal oh, that yeah. you're going to see at the table. So mm-hmm. you can swing in with the sapling every turn and not worry about it getting blocked and killed. But every time you swing, you've got a very good chance of both, not just one, but both gaining life and getting card draw. Cause you're gonna flip over a tree folk. You're gonna gain life equal to its toughness, lose life equal to its power. You're still gaining like four life off most tree right. folk. And then you get, you get to put it in your hand. Even if it's not a tree folk, you still got to peek at what your next card was. If you've got some, uh, like a fetch land in play and you don't like it, you can crack it to, you know, flush it away. It's such a great card. It's a buck or two right now. And all the tree folk that you'd throw in there are, again, just 10 cent commons, 25 cents for the most part. There's a couple, couple larger ones, but the whole deck can be put together on the cheap. And Duran does give you that extra color. And what everyone always says to me is, well, why not play... Duran to get white. And you've got such good removal in black already to take care of it. And right. you're also going you're going the less known and under the radar route, which I'm always a fan of. I like playing with commanders people might not always yeah. have thought of. I think Duran is very much you have to build around him to really make him mm-hmm. effective. And Sapling in this case, like even if you reveal a 5-5, five five, you gain the creature card into your hand and you don't lose any life. You right. Know, you gain, so it's like it's that the downside is very little. I mean, the upside of, of revealing a tree folk is nice because you get to slowly just pump your life up more and more. And you have the best blockers in the game as well. So it's a very... Let me uh, read, read Duran really quick. Uh, Duran, the Siege Tower, is a black, green, and a white. So three mana total for a... Legendary creature, tree folk, shaman, a zero, an 05. His, his text box says, each creature assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. Mm. So Duran's really a 5-5. Five five. Yes, and so he's more popular, too, for being able to mess with your opponent's creatures and the damage they do. They're pulling out something that's a really powerful attacker, and then it's swapped that around on them. And with tree folk largely having that more powerful toughness that's hopefully at your advantage as well but sapling is just card advantage which is so powerful in edh i I can see why you would want to go that route and you're right indestructibility is really really strong um but again white is one of the best colors you can have oh yeah just from a just from a utility standpoint so yeah it's really just that that it's that thing we all go through which is like oh man i wish i could do both of these but you can't you just got to make choices (laughs) That is true. That is true. So one thing we wanted to talk to you about was, you know, YouTube specifically. We haven't talked about sort of magic content on YouTube very much. How long have you been producing your channel? Uh, I am relatively young still. Well, at least on YouTube, not in real life. I've been around (laughs) for uh, about a year and a half, I'd say. Uh, Uh I think in it's August or September. Will is, oh wow, you've it, cultivated quite a uh, a following in just that short time. Yeah, well, we yeah we I took agree. off kind of recently. There was a when you look at uh, the views in terms of the channel history, there was a pretty long period where we were very much not getting watched 
too heavily, and then a few videos took off, thankfully, and it's been spreading. It's been a wonderful experience, but there is a strange climate as far as Magic the Gathering content on YouTube is concerned. You know, video games, Minecraft, Let's Play videos on, on everything from YouTube to Twitch, they have mm -hmm. these rich, robust, really filled out content creators and options and channels to choose from. And Magic, though it's at an all-time high, I, I don't feel that a lot of people are creating content for it. And those that do, there are a lot of inconsistent or irregular upload schedules where there's people that you love to hear from, but you don't hear from twice a week, as it were, because, you know, they've got jobs or college or things like that to attend. And so it's very surprising, the YouTube landscape. Uh, I, I always try and encourage people, actually, to make YouTube videos and to start their channel. It's not like television shows on network TV where we're in competition with one another. It's actually quite the opposite. Right. If, if you go out there, and I, I really encourage you, the viewer, to do so, <laughs> uh, 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 and you gentlemen as well, if you've got free time in addition to all the things you already do and your own channels as well and everything. But, you know, making videos that get people excited about Magic the Gathering is good for everyone. If yeah. you go out and make a video about Magic the Gathering that gets people excited, I benefit from it because it's one community that we sink or swim together. And it's it's a big mistake to think that, you know, I'm sitting back here and I'm looking at Wedge at the Mana Source and his numbers and going, ah, oh, what's this guy doing here? Like, who's he think he is? I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna bury him. I'll bury him like I buried the and it's not like that at all. And and we and and Wedge agrees with me a hundred percent. That's definitely one of my favorite channels and how I, I met him was I would genuinely be a fan of his channel and watching his channel if I were not making my own. And we we got in touch with each other and found that we had the same philosophy, which is I want your channel to succeed and I want my viewers to watch your channel because it just energizes the community. And the, that's really what we're in need of. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I've been on YouTube now for probably four to five years mm -hmm. and doing different things. And the community is one word that always gets tossed around. And you're absolutely right. There's so much, I mean, right now I would say the Let's Play market and the video game streaming market is just saturated as mm -hmm. all. It's, it is, everyone is doing it. There are huge channels, there are small channels, and there's sort of channels of every size. And for as big as Magic is, it still doesn't have sort of that really dedicated core group of people that are able to create video content and audio content on a high quality level and put it on YouTube and sort of share it with other people. It's also really hard, of course, to make any kind of living off of YouTube specifically. And of course, videos take time. And whereas if you're, you know, PewDiePie and you're hauling in the numbers and the bucks, it's a lot easier for you to get by just on making videos. So the Magic community is definitely still growing on YouTube. Uh, you guys, I think right now are sort of at the forefront to me as the pioneers of where the community has started. And uh, I'm glad that you guys have that viewpoint because Josh and I definitely think very much in the same way. And, you know, as a Commander podcast, we're not out there to try and crush other Commander <laughs> podcasts either. We're just here because we all, gr we all grow together and we all fall together as well. So if we're able to support each other and guest on each other's shows and be supportive just in general, it just helps the community as a whole by far. I, th I think the Magic community is at as opposed to a lot of other communities, is pretty like-minded in this, though. I, I feel like, you know, like Marshall from Limited Resources was really supportive of us re very early on. Uh, we've gotten, you know, support from a lot of different places. I, I feel like there's not a lot of that, like, sort of 
suspiciously looking at everybody else and, you know, are they successful and sort of like, how can I bring them down? I feel like that doesn't exist quite so much um, in our community. Uh, I feel like most people are pretty supportive and understand that like, yeah, the game growing as a whole and energizing the player base and creating new players and creating excitement about the game is just good for everybody. I think that philosophy is pretty widely held. So, you know, that's a, that's a really good thing. Um, on the subject of why there's not more YouTube content, I think that, you know, you mentioned PewDiePie, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to do video game-based videos, right? Because oh, absolutely, the, yeah. the thing that you're doing is inherently more watchable. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes quite a bit of work to do, to make magic, like, watchable for somebody who's not very, very into it. And so I think that's why it's yeah, it's just t- a tougher road, you know, right now, uh the community and and the content providers are still trying to figure out the best way to package everything to appeal to that, that audience. And so, you know, I think what Tolarian community college has done is they've taken a focus and, you know, an area and, and found a way to do it in a way that's very, you know, it's, it it works. And, and the mana source definitely does that. And, um, and I think people know we do our videos, uh, of of our podcasts and but they have to be highly produced because you have to see the cards as you're talking about them and you know if you just shoot a card on a table it's it doesn't always work so you have to mm-hmm. have some sort of you know you got to do some graphic work and you got to do a bunch of stuff and it's it's a lot of hoops to jump jump through it's it's not the easiest thing to do yeah whereas like when someone makes a video game there it's meant to be a visual and visceral experience so, so watching someone else play it it's the same with toy openings almost you you can literally put yourself in that person's shoes doing what they're doing mm-hmm. whereas with magic you know you don't have a like a hand cam <laughs> and a like a first person view of like playing a game like that could happen but it's just not as it's just not the same in terms of being able to digest it. So we, you have to find sort of ways around it to either do like really good product reviews like you do, the professor, and, or, or uh, you know, talk about what's happening in the standard scene like Wedge does. So you have to find ways of sort of embellishing it in a way that's really easily digestible. And that is a challenge. That's yeah, a challenge it's, it's, it's a huge, huge challenge. And not just to be able to present information to the magic community but the biggest problem i think that the magic community has in terms of things like youtube and and this is something that i know wedge and i both share is the ability to show off gameplay that's a whole other subject too i mean just having visuals down making sure the cards look right making sure that it is uh visually engaging and the audio is good is is hard enough as it is it takes so much time to produce just one of these videos but there is almost no way to really easily and effectively show people playing a full game of magic. It takes an enormous amount of time to play a game of magic anyway. Uh, you have to be able to see what's in one person's hand, in the opponent's hand, in on the board state to have some type of, of commentary going on. And yeah. even the pros, and I mean the people who are coming from major companies or the mothership herself that have all the resources available, it's still not perfect, is it? It still has some issues. And I I know a lot of people love coverage and get very excited for coverage, but gosh, they don't have it down perfect yet. And I think the real million dollar question is for anyone listening to this is how can you make gameplay footage more engaging 
easier to film and produce, more accessible for people with lower levels of uh, magic experience, but also still interesting for people in tr uh, that are, are pros or pro-like players. That's the million dollar question because the first person to figure that out and, and do that and put that on their channel or sell it to one of the big companies is going to make <laughs> a lot of money and get a lot of views. And that's something people are always asking me, why don't you do gameplay? And I'm like, well, because I don't know how I would go about filming that and having it be great. And yeah. if it's not <laughs> great, I, I'm not really that interested in, in doing it. And it's just very, very hard thing to do by itself. It's, it's funny because it's something Jimmy and I have talked about with our sister podcast, Masters of Modern. Um, they're very interested in this same thing. And, and you know, we're obviously involved in production with other things through Rocket Jump and, and things like that. And I work in the movie business and Jimmy's an actor and we have a lot of production experience. And I think there are ways to solve all those things you're talking about. But when you're talking about like they have access to all these resources they don't have access to the resources you'd need to accomplish what you're talking about. And mm -hmm. I think that's really the big the big issue. I mean, in order to do what we're talking about, where you can actually see every card in everybody's hand and know what it is, you know, the, the level of graphical interface that you have to do and the amount of work that that takes is, I don't know if, if it's worth it right now for the amount of views you're going to get. Because the amount of money you'll have to spend to pull that off is, is pretty is pretty high. Yeah. You could do it. You could totally do it. But I, I think for the audience, for the and and how large the audience could potentially get, that maybe they've I'm sure they've looked at it and said, you know, it's probably just at this point, it it it's not sustainable. Yeah, absolutely. Um so moving on from the YouTube mm. and the magic community, obviously uh, this is something that we could talk about forever. And of course, uh, the viewers and probably we will. Probably oh, yes. we will. Yeah, we encourage all our listeners to go and support your local YouTube channels <laughs> <laughs> and your and your local game store while Absolutely. you're at it. Yeah, yeah. Are there local YouTube channels? I think there are just YouTube channels. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess everyone's local if you think about it. <laughs> right. That's a good thing about the internet. Yeah. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about with you, Professor, is uh, Puka Trade or Puka Trade. I have no idea actually how to pronounce puka. it. It's Puka, Puka, puka. like like puka, puka. Pu like Pukachu. I always think of, of it's a it's an offshoot. It's like Pokemon. Puka shells. Yeah, right, it's right. like the uh, the Chinese knockoff of Pikachu's. Pikachu. <laughs> right. Yes. Puka um, Trade. I'm a I'm a paying customer. I I use it. I love it. Yeah. So we actually haven't talked about Puka Trade before, uh, but it is a an alternative means of trading cards and getting rid of cards that you don't think other people might want, but actually there there is a need for it around the world. Um, and I think it's actually a really great way to expand and also develop your EDH collection. So can you just give us a brief rundown of, of a, what your name is on Puka Trade and how it works? Uh, my name on Puka Trade is, I believe, the Professor or Professor Staff. I go by. Hang on, I should. I should know. I should know my own name, shouldn't I? <laughs> uh, uh, I believe I'm the Professor on it is the Puka professor. Trade. It is. Oh, you're right in front of you, eh? Um, <laughs> uh, it is the Professor on Puka Trade, and I signed up for it uh, a, a little bit ago. I've been on it for a while now, and I really, really like it. It isn't 100% there yet, but it gives players and collectors a lot of power to do things that you couldn't otherwise do. For example, if you've got, we all have all these dollar rares, right? We've all got 
binders of dollar rares, and many of them are very playable, and you're going to put them in various commander decks, but you can't trade them very easily. If you take that trade binder down to your local game store and you say, hey, anyone want these dollar rares for trade, the most you're going to get is someone trading you other dollar rares for them. No one is going to take a $20 card and trade it to you for $20 rares, and that's, (laughs) or if they do, it's you, 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 if you're a good person, you'll double check with them that they know what they're doing. And you'll say, are you okay? You know, like, are you feeling all right? You know, like, you know what you're doing here? I, <laughs> do I you do... have the uh, the flu that is going right. around the country? Are, are you, How you you're doing? Right. Do you have that space flu? Are you a Phyrexian infiltrator? You know, we got to check that out. But that's just very hard to do. And so you might have $20 in $1 singles, but that doesn't necessarily equal a $20 card. With Puka Trade, it does, and that's what I, more than anything, like about it, because the way it works on Puka Trade, for those of you listening that aren't familiar with the service, uh, and you should go check it out, because while there are paid tiers for more advanced functions, you can use it for free, so it doesn't cost you anything. You send cards on a one-way trade, and then you get credit for that trade, which you can use to trade with someone else. And so you can accumulate your trade credit. So if I say, hey, I've got this $1 rare and, you know, Jimmy wants it. And he says, well, I'll I'll absolutely take that. I'll give you $1 of credit that I have for it. I mail it to him. And then I get that $1 of credit. And I can do this with the other 19 $1 rares. And I'll end up with $20 of credit. And then it might turn out that Wedge has got a $20 card that he's looking to trade. And I can say, okay, I've got $20 of credit here to send to you for that card. And I did essentially just trade $21 cards for that one $20 card. And that's just such a fabulous power and tool to have at your disposal, let alone all the much more basic practical things of Puka Trade. Like if you live in the middle of Wisconsin or something and you don't have a local game store with a bunch of people to trade and you don't really want to go buy and sell on eBay, I don't blame you. Uh, Puka Trade is just so hassle-free, so stress-free for doing those transactions. Yeah. So I haven't experimented with it yet, but yeah. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've looked at it. I haven't actually done it, but I've been lurking and I've read a lot about it. And it's really just they took the idea of just trading, and just this is the internet version internet version of trading your cards, which is such a big part of a collectible card game or a TCG, a trading card game. And so you know we've had so many sites that are just selling you cards and just buying you cards but this is a place where you're trading your cards right and you have sites that are selling you cards and then you have sites that are buying you cards for less than they're worth because no one's buying your cards for what they're worth unless you're doing a one-to-one sale on ebay which is getting very very i don't know how much uh you guys buy cards off of ebay these days but i've been having some real sketchy experiences the scams going on are unbelievable it's also much easier to buy than sell on ebay because there's a lot of associated costs with doing both honestly that's very true definitely yeah i mean people know if they go to their local gaming store or any place where people are physically in real life selling cards the buy list is always way less than what they're selling the cards for and you know it makes sense from a business perspective but the the whole upside of trading with somebody else is you get full price for your card right unless the other person has 
sharked you, as they say, where they've taken advantage of your ignorance in some area yes. with your cards. And that's another thing Puka Trade is great about because it's fixed prices. I, I believe it's just based off of TCG mid or low. I'd have to double check that. Yeah, but I think it's TCG mid. Mid, TCG mid, which is what I, I always use anyway, but they are fixed rates. And so there's no negotiation. There's no, oh, 20, 20 credits for that primeval titan. No, I'll only give you 19 for it sort of thing. It's no, it's it's TCG mid is the going rate for the credit. And so there's no negotiation in that. You're not capable of getting sharked on it in that way. It keeps everything fair and on the up and up. And, and again, so relaxed. I've had so many people yell at me over eBay, both buying and selling, that have such <laughs> hostile, hostile attitudes. I think because money's involved. And so even yeah. if it's just 10 bucks involved, a lot of these are businesses. A lot of these are people who that money is very important to. And tensions are high on eBay these days. And I have not had a single, and I, I've done a lot at this point, and I don't have, have a single bad experience story about interacting with someone. Yeah, I've gotten the wrong card. Yeah, I've gotten a card that was not the proper quality. And yes, I've even mistakenly sent the wrong card. Uh, and I think one time accidentally sent uh, a card that was not of acceptable quality, but it's all just been hassle-free. Oh, hey, uh, card you sent. I, I was actually requested the other one. I, I think you made a mistake. Oh, my bad. No problem. Let's send that back. We'll correct this. No problem at all. There's been no hostility, no venom, nothing like that on Puka Trade because you're not dealing with actual money. And so I think you're a lot more relaxed and the attitude is is much more of a, a, a friendly one, which I enjoy as well. That is that is something definitely to be envied because there's lots of hostility on eBay, especially when uh, people being like, hey, I pre-ordered this new Mythic that you guys listed for a buck and now it's $10 and you canceled every order I had. Right. So there's lots of stuff like that going on there too. So yeah, Puka Trade is definitely something that I think uh, is something that EDH players should look into at the very least. If you're not comfortable sell sending off your cards or you just don't have stamps, I guess, then obviously it may not be the best fit for you. But this does uh, segue us into our main topic today, which is organizing your EDH collection because, well, like we just said, Magic is unlike other games because it's always growing, it's always evolving, and there are, there are always more cards being added to the uh, to the card pool. And for EDH players, we can't just write off old cards because there is no format rotation. So standard rotates out, and some cards just can't be played in that format after a while. But for EDH and Commander, I mean, like, every card could be a potential all-star in a deck years from now that we just didn't see when it came out, you know? And as a result, I think uh, us EDH players are the closest to hoarders <laughs> as it gets <laughs> in Magic because we well, just yeah, have anytime so they much create, stuff. Anytime they create a new legendary creature with a new mechanic, then all of a sudden all these cards that you were never going to play are put into play. Yeah. You know? It's like they create this new card and you're like, man, I know I have this other card that would synergize really well with it, but where the hell is that card? Because I have 40,000 cards, yeah. you know? And yeah. I don't know which box it's in. So, yeah, I'm horrible at this. I hope you can help me out, Professor. Seriously. I'm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, we're going to talk about sort of common issues with sorting your collection. How to just basically effectively do it in a way that is both sane and helps out with the, sort of the inner deck builder in this. Because I have the same thing where it's like, hey, oh, wow, I have this card. I'm going to try and start a deck with this. And I start just pulling out cards, and it becomes this pile. And then another pile pops up. And then another one pops up from somewhere else, and then like uh, someone sends me a card in the mail, and that gets into a pile, and it just gets insane faster than it sort of gets cleaned up. So with that, we're going to launch into it with the professor being as professorial as possible here. Um, so, so the first thing that I would say is actually 
whatever works for you works and that anybody listening to this don't feel that what we're about to talk about is the answer or the method. It's a method for you to consider. And if you have a system or you discover a system that works effectively for you, that's different than what other people do, there's no problem there because the key word is, is it's effective for you. What you want though, is that effectiveness. You want, as we were just saying, to be able to find the card that you're looking for and not lose it or not be able to uh, 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 discover those great card combinations when a new commander gets printed. But to think that there's only one way of sorting and organizing your magic cards is not the right train of thought. In fact, I'm going to start out by saying that the first step is to recognize what type of a collection you have. Do you have a small commander-only collection? Do you have a large extensive collection with other formats? Do you? Because there's a lot of players who only play commander. That is their format of choice, and they only play commander. They're going to have a very different collection than someone who plays legacy and modern and standard and drafts every week. And they might both be these enormous collections, but the way that they want to sort and organize them are going to be fundamentally different because that commander-only player probably isn't keeping play sets of every common from the recent sets that have come out, whereas somebody who's playing the formats all down the board is. Mm -hmm. And so I would start with just a basic commander player who has a moderate-sized collection. And I would say that for that moderate-sized collection for somebody that is more or less only playing commander, you want to have your singles that you have one ofs for, because you, I mean, you only got one of for commander, you're going to want to probably utilize binders, portfolios, binder sheets, because even the commons and uncommons, you're going to want to see and have access to. And the way to sort that is typically by color first, then by rarity and if you have premium cards, promo cards, special cards, cards of a certain function, you might have a section for those. I'm a big fanatic about land, personally. Yeah. Uh, I, I just feel that I want to have every land ever, so there's no deck I can't build due to a lack of a mana base. And so land gets its own spotlight folder in my collection. And you might make that decision about removal. You might make that decision about artifacts that go in any deck. That's what I mean by knowing what your needs are and what you want. But a player who's playing in other formats, you're going to need to utilize card storage boxes because you have got thousands of commons and uncommons from Zendikar, New Phyrexia, Innistrad, and you can't put all that in binder sheets. You you will fail to have every one of those in binder sheets, and so you have to start <laughs> utilizing those. BCW is the most common brand of uh, cardboard archival storage, mm -hmm. and it's a really good one, especially if you get like the 700 count boxes, they fold into themselves. So if you ever accidentally drop it or it rolls down the stairs or the cat knocks it over, it's highly unlikely to come open. I, I don't like fat pack boxes because they not only degrade very quickly, but they can fall open. And if the cards at the ends oh, are yes, not... Oh, yes, I've had this. You've had, had this, this happen. Issue. You can verify. Yeah, absolutely. Because I often uh, say that this can happen. Insert. There's a cardboard insert on the, uh, the top. Yeah. And if you don't take that out, then it will definitely s smash the cards on the far end of the... Um, uh, of the box. It yeah, can, sure. They can still get caught in between 
uh, yeah. the box as you slide it down, and all it takes is once. And and that's what I say is even if it's highly unlikely, even if it's almost entirely unlikely, all you need is that one time that your restoration angel gets smashed in the box as you push the cover down to make it have not been worth it for you. That That's just a disaster if it's a card of any yeah. value or sentimental attachment sort of thing. And so yeah. I'm not a fan of those fat pack boxes. The boxes they give you with the Deck Builders Toolkit are pretty nice because they've got those flaps that fold in, hold the box secure. Uh, there's not too much chance of any damage there, but I always really recommend those BCW archival storage boxes. Are those just the white boxes that you see commonly? Uh, yeah. Typically, yes. And and yeah. uh, your local game store usually has them in many sizes, but since they're cardboard boxes, they're disassembled and flat, and so you might right. not see them on display. So you can just ask uh, at the counter, hey, do you have... BCW or any brand, uh, they're really the biggest producer, BCW. And they're, they've they possibly got them in the back, and they're usually just a couple of bucks. They're yeah, usually they're cheap. I have a stack of like 20 at my house because I feel like I'm just constantly cracking and filling those things. But I don't organize any of the cards. I just throw them in there. How do you find? But how do you find anything if you don't organize yeah, that, them? That, so. <laughs> that's the that's the rub. Prop. You wanna you rub. wanna organize them by set first, and so each box can have its own set. And if you exceed one box, like you've got that many Ravnica singles, then you get a second box, and you organize them by color within the set, and then by rarity within the color. And so I can go over to my wall right now and pull one of those BCW boxes down. It says "Return to Ravnica" on it, or I've actually recently started just printing out the set symbol which is really handy and ah. just taping it onto the side of the box. So I've just got all the set symbols there. And then I pull Fancy. out my return to Ravnica box, open it. And within that box are the commons and uncommons, the rares I will keep on binders, even the, the junk rares. And it's sorted by color first. Uh, and so I can go red and green. And then within color, there's a divider between colors, but also a divider between common and uncommon. And so if I'm like, oh, I need madcap skills, let's see, that was a uh, gate crash, and that was an uncommon, or actually I think that was a common, uh, I can just pull out gate crash, common, red, red, and pull out madcap skills, and I've got it. Very nice. Now that is good organization. Uh, now, when is too much, too much? For instance, like... You don't need to create a master list of all your cards. You also don't need to organize them alphabetically within the colors and the uh, the sets as well, correct? No, and I don't do that. And I used to try and alphabetize them, and I will admit that it made it a lot easier to pull cards out, but it made it so impossible to put them in because I never had time for it. And so I just right. leave them in my master in pile of to be sorted because I didn't want to deal with it. And the best thing I did was to say, you know what, I'm not alphabetizing the commons and uncommons anymore. And then I just pull out the common stack and flip through it really quick and pull out the four madcap skills or whatever. Yeah, because you can find them really easy. Oh, yeah. You know, even in a large set, there's only so many... Uh, common red cards so yes as long yeah. as you can narrow it down that far you can just take the extra 10 seconds each time it's better mm -hmm. than have because the organizing alpha alphabetically that seems insane like insanity <laughs> yeah it's definitely insanity. <laughs> that's that yes. seems crazy yeah because every time you get new cards you know from that like every time you draft 
you know, if you go back and draft Gatecrash, then what are you going to do? You're going to go open that box, find each one, put each one in individually, and then it's going to be like, oh, crap, now that box is full. What do I do with this extra stack? i got to fit it into this other box. Like, oh, my God, just kill me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's simply not feasible anymore uh, once your collection gets to a certain size. So yeah. just by Can we rewind rarity, really quick? Because, yeah. um, you know, I'm curious for the binders. You know, you talk about binders. Is there a brand or a certain kind of binder that you prefer? Uh, yes. Or, some, or, or ones that you don't like? Because I noticed I bought a binder. Uh, I'm not sure what brand it was, but I'm a little upset with it because it's pretty loose and the cards, like sometimes when you're flipping through the pages, will 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 slide out. And then it, it sort of, when if you fold the page, you could accidentally fold the cards. Oh, gosh. That's, that's really no good. I wish you knew what brand it was so that I can uh, uh, check it out if Josh, I haven't already. Josh, watching Tolarian Community College before you... No, well, I bought this binder <laughs> a, a couple years ago. He didn't exist. Sorry, Professor, you oh. didn't exist yet. So well, I existed. I, I just didn't have a YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, you did not exist. You, yeah, you weren't <laughs> cast yet. Right, <laughs> I, I was still in the hand. Right, I was still so in the So I am looking for uh, you know some new binders, and I don't want to make the same mistake. Do you have any advice? Yes, I have uh, a lot of advice on that in terms of binders uh is and if you're describing cards being loose in them i would really suggest that if you're buying the actual portfolios and not like binder sheets that you always store the cards in there in some kind of a sleeve because you don't want to leave an unsleeved card in an actual uh, portfolio for a long period of time with that, unless you're taking it in and out every day, because there's a chance. And I, I used to think this was because the backing was not acid free, but I've since learned it is actually acid free. So I don't know the reason viewers who are into science and, and physics can maybe answer this for me. But whatever the reason, if a card is left in one of those portfolios long-term, I mean like over eight months, over eight months without being touched, without being slid in and out, there's a very slim chance that it can actually kind of get stuck a little bit to that black mesh backing, especially in the tighter ones, the ones that really have that iron grip. And right. if that's a valuable card and you pull it out and just a little bit of it comes off on the back as, as, as can happen or can actually just warp the back a little bit. I've actually got some photos that viewers have sent me of this happening to them that I'm going to be putting in an upcoming video to show the danger of it. That's just something you don't want to happen. So anything that you're putting in one of those binders has some value, whether it's a functional value or a financial value or sentimental value. That's why it's not in the BCW box. So make sure it's at the very least just in a penny sleeve or, or something in there, unless you're the person who takes it in and out frequently. But that, and that's possible possibly why you found, and I don't know what brand of binder you used, uh, but that's possibly why you found one that had a looser hold on the cards is because they want to discourage that reaction. And also oh, so because th it's actually designed that way. And that could be a plus, except for that. I don't have all the cards in there in sleeves. Right, so. right. Well, I gotcha. actually find too, as someone who assembles and disassembles commander decks like a bodily function that by keeping them if you're if you're i know it's fun to have different colored sleeves and i do it sometimes too but if you pick a brand and a color of sleeve that is your thing that is your brand your color that you like and you sleeve everything up in that and you put those cards in the the binders and portfolios then when you build the deck it's already set up you just slide them out and can put the deck together really quick you don't need multiple demonic tutors for all your black decks you just slide it out of one deck and into the other and so you only oh, right. need one copy that way and so i store everything in the portfolios 
uh, already double sleeved, in fact. So I like a portfolio that can hold double sleeved cards. And hmm. I think that one of the best brands for commander players that they should check out are the Legion Dragonhide portfolios. And they will have Dragonhide. A good, Dragonhide. Cool. Oh, they're fabulous. They've got, you know, everybody. I'm not a big fan of the Ultra Pro. They're acceptable. I think they're they're in the B territory, but they've got a very cheap plasticky feel to them. The covers are very flimsy. And the first thing that I really like about the Dragonhide portfolios from Legion is that you can stack your a dictionary on one end of, of the portfolio and hold the other. And I actually do this in the video and it won't bend, which means that if it's in your backpack and someone sits on your backpack, your cards are safe because mm. it's got a very, very firm, hard cover. So in the case of accidental shoving it in the overhead bin of a plane, you're not going to end up with crushed cards. They're safe in that dragon hide portfolio. The exterior is a really tough, uh, plastic that resembles like dragon scales that I find is irrelevant. If you like that, fine. But what I really like is just how tough and firm that portfolio is. The pages on the inside will hold single sleeved cards and you can spin it around and they won't go flying out, but it will also hold anything up to double sleeved cards in there. So I'm a big fan of that as well. And they're relatively cheap. I think that they're uh, in the same price range as Ultra Pro in that $19.99 price range, depending where you get them from. They are mostly available in the United States and Canada, and they don't have very good European distribution at this time, which is one drawback for any listeners that might be buying in, in Europe. Right, right. Or, you know, like Egypt or something. Or Egypt <laughs> or, or outside outside of the United States and Canada. Canada. I don't think Legion has established itself. Ask international friends. Please ask because that's how they get established is by getting those distribution requests. But that's definitely one that I would recommend. One that was very popular recently was the four portfolio for people who don't play Commander because that actually has columns of four so that you can display play sets. Mm -hmm. And that one really took off like lightning, but for Commander, we don't need that. And so you're paying a real premium price because that's a, a very premium portfolio. And I don't think that Commander players have much need for something like that. The the Legion Dragonhide, I'd point them to instead. Or if you're someone who travels a lot, something like the Xeno Skin Zip Folio from Ultimate Guard is another excellent, excellent, outstanding portfolio. And it's got not only that incredible firm, they call it Xeno Skin. We can just make up words these days, evidently. I'm, I'm, I'm an English teacher, so that irritates me a little bit where we just make up words. But it means basically a very, very tough, durable exterior, and it's got a zipper that goes around it, but is also at a very safe distance from the pages, so there's no chance of catching. And what's great about this is, is there's always a chance that some way, somehow, you're going to jostle or bump your portfolio if you travel a lot in a way where a card might slip out. And if that happens with the zip folio from Ultimate Guard, then your card is still safe because it's zipped up and contained within there. It's not going to fall out into your backpack and get bent or smashed or worse, fall out while you're carrying it down the street onto the street or onto the floor of your LGS to get trampled. It's safe. And that's really what the purpose of these products is. And I don't care what they look like usually. I don't care about things like that because its function is to protect your cards. And so things like the Ultimate Guard Xeno Skin Zip Folio does that. The Legion Dragonhide does that. Those are my top two picks for 
uh, commander players, I would say. Right. And I think this is awesome. I'm writing this down. (laughs) Write it down. Check it out. Yeah. And Ultimate Guard has. This is just like watching your channel, which just basically cost me a lot of money because I'm always like, I need that. Oh, God, I need that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of that specifically and like sort of budgeting, because, you know, we obviously can't spend all our money on cards and storage at the same time. But I think there is a very important note. And you said that like if someone sits on your backpack, if you drop something, the importance of protecting your cards. If you have a binder that costs you twenty bucks but does a sufficient job in protecting what could be worth over, you know, eight hundred dollars or whatever in your binder, then it is more than worth it to spend what seems at maybe at the time of purchase a large amount of money, but really is insignificant in what it's doing. It's sort of like getting insurance for your, you know, health insurance. Like it's like, man, I'm paying this much every month. But it's like, hey, if you break your leg, if something happens that is beyond your control, you are going to be more than happy that you spent that small amount of money and invested in protecting the things that you actually care about. Exactly. And actually, in the long run, if you are buying quality and things that last and things that protect your cards, you're going to be saving money because so much of these products will just fall apart quickly. A lot of the ones that I open up on the channel, I I often have to say, you know, I I test everything for a very long period of time because I want to see how it holds up. And then every now and then I've got something that it's like, nope, I need to turn on the camera and say, this is broken out of the box. And I went down to the store and got another one and asked the store owner. And it's like, oh yeah, people are constantly complaining about that brand and and it being broken out of the box. And it's like, that is not going to last you. And if that costs 10 instead of $20, but it lasts just a few months instead of several years, you're going to be losing money in the long run, let alone how much you lose if your actual cards get damaged, even just a little. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, it's a really good point. I think that's really important. Like it's, it's going to be way better to invest your money in something that is going to last for the long term than something that, you know, maybe is going to break tomorrow. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Can we talk about deck boxes then? Oh, too? yes. Because so this is so this awesome is that I'm like, yeah, it's a, diffi- <laughs> it's a difficult, it's a difficult situation for commander players, right? Because we have got hundred card decks. I am, yeah. I'm a double sleever. I double sleeve those decks and that makes them even larger. Uh, and Join I believe club, that. Bud. How do you <laughs> shuffle that? Like, yeah, I've seen great... double sleeve decks. I, I can't double sleeve just from a shuffling aspect. It's just too much of a pain in the butt. To <laughs> well, you already thing. shuffle your decks in sections and you're not double sleeved. <laughs> yeah. Double sleeve is just like, man, my hands start to hurt. You get, I play you get used to years. it. I think I'm okay. Yeah. You build up a shuffler's <laughs> cow. You build up a shuffler's callus <laughs> on your fingers. But uh, yeah, so it's, and in addition to that, EDH decks often have l- a, a huge need for tokens, don't they? Even if it's not a token-based strategy, yes. let alone if you've mm-hmm. got a commander whose purpose is to win via token generation. But you've got lots of token creation, and I know commander players like to have those tokens. They're the least likely to want to just throw a die on the table and say, there's my 1-1 soldier. They want to have that actual 1-1 soldier or custom tokens or some form of representation. So they really need a deck box that can hold a lot. And most deck boxes are made with single sleeving standard in mind. And so this is a real difficult situation, but there's a lot of hidden gems out there just in terms of the best deck box for commander deck that's out there is a tie between the Ultra Pro Satin Tower and make sure that you get the Satin one and not the Pro Tower because the Pro Tower is one I do not recommend. But the Satin Tower is one of my top picks. Are it's these the ones you have, Jimmy? Solid the satin A. Tower? Yep, Satin Towers are great. 
Satin Tower. It can hold a double-sleeved EDH deck, and it's even got just a bit of room, not as much as I would ideally like, but just a bit of room for tokens as well, and it has a built-in compartment for dice and counters. It's got a really firm resin exterior shell, so if you you know, knock it across the table or something, it, or, or it's in your backpack and it gets sat on, it's very likely going to hold up. I mean, I wouldn't recommend throwing it down on the pavement probably, but <laughs> it's, and it's, it's usually about, but ten, don't do that bucks. with any of your stuff, right? Yeah. Probably yeah, not. Yeah, probably I, not. I, Jimmy, Jimmy has these, these are super nice. Uh, I've, I, I keep meaning to buy them cause they're awesome. So it's just a great way to transfer yes. one deck. They're also somewhat difficult to open by hand, which is totally fine by me because you don't want it cracking open inside your backpack or, for instance, if something falls. So it does have this nice sort of clicks into place. Um, and, yeah, it holds a 100-card double-sleeve deck. And if your sleeve deck isn't double-sleeved, then you have even more you know space for tokens and all that. And having the space for dice is actually really important because I find if you're traveling or if you just want to bring one or two decks to some place you're going, you don't need to bring a whole separate bag for your dice and everything else. You can just sort of keep them in these low compartments. And as long as you have, like, you know, four D6 and a couple of D20s, you are pretty much good to go. Yeah, and how great is okay, the compactness so, so that, of that? Because especially if you're traveling, you know, space storage space is of a premium. You can just throw that in your duffel bag. They're so clean and compact. You mentioned that they're a little hard to get open, and that's actually the brand that they're tied with, which is the Ultimate Guard Monolith is more or less the exact same thing, only the design on the top is uh, one that comes open really easily and is a mirror of the main compartment so as you put it down it can hold your sideboard if you're not playing commander it can hold your tokens and so it's also more or less in the same price range so either the ultimate guard monolith or the ultra pro satin tower they're essentially the same thing the monolith is a little easier to get open and the top compartment doubles as another deck holder while you're playing right because it's an actual angled uh, opening so that you can turn yes. it upside down and it sort of does the same thing. yeah 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 very very handy uh yeah i definitely love these deck boxes um i found so much difficulty trying to sleeve 100 cards up and i i also don't like the the box that close with a magnetic sort of flip close uh, no. and you've demonstrated this on your channel too it's like your decks are actually significantly heavier because they're commander decks you have 40 more cards than the regular standard deck not including the sideboard so Having a deck that has sort of a flip top of the magnet is just not close to as safe as something that clicks into place and you're more secure with. It's like a seatbelt. If your seatbelt in your car had a magnet and that's what kept it in place, right. I would not use that seatbelt. That's a very I good don't, point. I, I don't think that would meet the restrictions of the law, fortunately. <laughs> <true>. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is great because I uh, we're going to need these when we travel to GP Vegas. So that's um, right. definitely buying me some of these cool yeah, and monolith enough- or satin tower guys. And if you're like me and you're someone who builds, you know, a million commander decks, then you might not want to have a million satin towers because they are 10 bucks each. And so if you've got 10 commander decks, that's $100 if you were to house each one mm-hmm. in one of those towers. So there's some really great budget options. One of them is the iconic deck box series from Legion. These are... Gorgeous little basic deck boxes that have a Velcro seal, 
holds it really firm and tight. And they won't hold, the only problem with them is they won't yet hold a double-sleeved commander deck, but they will hold a single-sleeved commander deck, and they're just a couple of bucks. They're like two to three bucks, depending on where you get them from, maybe four if it's a, a, a pricey LGS or something, but I've never seen them for more than that. And you can get uh, bulk discounts oftentimes, and these are just a basic deck box for holding 100 sleeved cards with a little extra room. They won't hold a double-sleeved deck, unfortunately, but Ultra Pro also offers the Pro 100 deck boxes, which are just like the Legion Iconic, only a little larger. They've got a flap that comes down, and it's a very secure hold on there. They're also just about $4 each, and they can hold a double-sleeved commander deck in them and still have a little bit of room for tokens. I think that they technically can hold up to 140 cards single-sleeved or 100 and change double-sleeved. And so that's a really awesome option as well. Oh, wow. Nice. nice. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so what about the other end? Because we are commander players. Oh, yeah. What about the other end of the spectrum? What about, like, the, what if I want the deck box that's going to make people be like, where did you get that? That is awesome. <laughs> well, I can tell you the answer to that, sir, but it's going to cost you, not in <laughs> terms of me being paid to tell you the answer, but the answer is definitely expensive. And what you're looking for is a custom deck box by one of three makers. And these guys are tied. People are always asking me which one is better. And these guys are just the top of the deck box industry. They make the best quality and the best looking deck boxes. And it's just a matter of style. The first of them is Aaron Kane custom wooden deck boxes. And this is the source for some of the best-looking deck boxes on the market. They're handcrafted by wood, and they're custom-built to order to your specifications. And he has an array of options available, but he will literally talk with you about what you're looking for, what you want. So are you a double-sleever? Are you a single-sleever? Are you a double-sleever who has 50 double-sleeve tokens as well? He will make it to order to the size and specifications that you want, you pick out the woods that interest you. He has an enormous list of woods. It's literally custom. You literally mm. talk to the guy. Uh, yes, yes. And so, and you're going to have awesome to wait because he's going to make it for you. And he's doing so for a hundred other people. So it might take a couple months to get custom made for you, but it is some of the finest looking deck boxes that I've ever seen. They're incredible quality. You can stand on top of them if, if, I would do not recommend it, but you could stand on top of them because they're made out of wood. You remember when they used to make things out of wood and metal instead of plastic? Those mm -hmm. were the days, eh? Everything. Those ca were the days. Cars used to be made you out know, of like metal. Cars? Yeah. yeah, right. How much do one of these run you? Uh, it depends on what you want. You can get them for as low as probably $40. Oof, I think if you just want like a bad, commander though. tower with a little compartment and no fancy exotic woods. The issue with his deck boxes is more the type of wood that you would want to use, not so much what you want done with the wood. So if you're happy with something like pine or oak, I think that that's very affordable wood that he can put together much more on the low price end, probably at 30 to $40. You have to check with him, but you can go all the way up to $80, $90, $100 custom made with exotic woods and all the the frills and i have on one of mine uh, uh an opening cut so that as the deck slides in you can perfectly see the commander of that deck through a little window 
that's cut in. <laughs> yeah, it's the, just I'm gorgeous. looking at his Facebook. It's it's beautiful. And of course, we're going to put every one of these links in the uh, box below, so you guys will have access to all of it. Yeah, and he and, he requires and that one's called Aaron Kane. Aaron Kane. Kane yeah. like Kane okay. enable. Yeah, and he's a real personal, hands-on guy. So you're going to literally. He will not say. Here's, you know, my my eBay store and just hit buy it now sort of thing. He's like, send me a message. I will tell you what the time frame is right now. I want to talk to you about what woods you might like. He really cares about craftsmanship and quality. And this is a deck box that for the rest of your magic playing career will get ooze and ahs and is high High quality. It's wood. It'll last right. forever. It will also last forever. Yeah. So you're paying forty dollars for something that's not going to break anytime soon. Well, you also think of it this way: like you know, it's just like buying cards for your deck. You can buy the regular uh, a version of a card, or you can buy the foil judges promo mm-hmm. of the card. Yeah, 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 so yeah definitely. This is the foil judges promo. <laughs> deck box. That's Boxes. exactly yeah. right. And hey, well, if- one of three. There's only two more. <laughs> There's two more. There's two other uh, uh, craftsmen that I'd like to highlight. And the next one is Leaf Kicker, and that's spelled L E I F K I C K E R. Leaf Kicker deck boxes, and he works in molds and resins and what he does is instead of carving wood he actually carves out himself these molds that he pours in his workshop resin into to cast and make these amazing design they look like something out of a tim burton film uh deck boxes and you can fit in most of them there there's a million designs there's ones that look like a tardis oh, yeah these are awesome yeah there's there's uh i've got the orzov skull if you want to take a peek at the orzov skull i reviewed that recently and because oh man that thing looks sick oh it's it's a, it's the most it's i think it's probably one of my 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 favorites out of all the custom deck boxes that i have because it holds my tesa orzov deck it's got the orzov <laughs> symbol on it it's got the skull it's such a flavor win. It's got a magnetic closure, and it'll hold 100 double-sleeved cards and just have a teeny bit of room for tokens. I always wish there was just a bit more room in some of these, but it'll still hold my double-sleeved deck. But there's all kinds of designs. He's got turtles. He's got tardises. He's got all kinds of stuff, I'm sure. I don't know what he does in terms of custom work. I do know that he affixes Ravnica guild symbols to some of his basic deck boxes that have the steampunk look to them and mm-hmm. he makes some of them have a guild look so he does guild boxes just fabulous stuff high quality it's a thick resin cast and his prices are also in that i think 40 to 80 dollar range depending on how fancy you want to get right right and who's the uh, the third of the, the third uh, is deck the one that you've most likely heard of it's wormwood deck boxes and they've got a Fabulous, small, independently owned and operated company. They do a lot of work for tabletop gaming. So they make dice Ah, vaults. They make dice trays where I don't know if any of your viewers or if you guys play Dungeons and Dragons or other RPGs. But, you know, you throw your die on the table, it goes rolling off onto the floor. Or you don't get a good roll. How many times have you thrown a die on the table and it, like, rolls over once and everybody starts yelling about you to learn how to roll (laughs) dice? So they've got these beautiful dice trays that you roll into and it makes for a perfect roll on a leather or suede surface and mahogany exterior or whatever. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said mahogany. They'll they'll get upset with me. They have about 20 different woods to choose from. And they also make Magic the Gathering deck boxes as well, in addition to those 
accessories and the Magic the Gathering deck boxes come in every size imaginable, even up to, uh, they call it the 120, which is what you'd need to double sleeve a commander deck for storage in them. They've got these leather straps with metal clasps that literally clasp on and button to the side of the deck box. They're inlaid, not glued on. Fabulous craftsmanship. You can pick the wood. And again, the wood is really where the cost is. I believe that if you go with the cheap wood, I think you can get it for as low as, I I don't have it in front of me, but I believe as low as $25 and up if you go with some of the, the, the cheaper woods. And it's really just, do you want an ancient or beautiful or or probably harder to get a hold of wood, yeah. then that's going to really Some of run these the woods price I've up. never even heard of, like Bolivian rosewood and yeah. ancient cowrie. Like, it, <laughs> these sound like magic cards in themselves. So. Right, right. I think that there's a little bit of magic in things like wood that actually comes from the earth. So it, it really is a great feel. And so when people ask which of these three is the best, it has to do with look at what they make because they make very distinctly different things. They're all solid A's on my channel. They're the best in the business. If if all it came down to was quality and not price, these are all the, the deck boxes I would ever use. And you ask yourself, do I want a, a, an Orzov skull or a Bolivian rosewood leather strapped deck box? <laughs> do I want a custom crafted double commander deck box from Aaron Kane that actually holds two commander decks double sleeved with tokens and is made out of zebra wood and brushed with uh, a metal inlay which he does or do I want a TARDIS it's up to what you as an individual like what excites you I think that uh, Wormwood also has a custom wood shop so you can also if you have a custom design or desire Give them a call and, and ask them. The worst they can say is no, or actually the worst they can say is sure, too much money. You know, like like it'll right. be a little out of your budget might be the worst they can say. But I think that these guys are all craftsmen and artists and will make something that will get you endless attention for the price of some of those judge foils. I think for the cost of one of those judge promo lands from Therese Nielsen, you can get one of these deck boxes instead. Right. Well, th- wow. I definitely agree. Uh, these deck boxes are deluxe. And boy, what a problem that Magic players have. What a world we live in that <laughs> we have to choose between these amazing deck right. boxes. And that's like the worst of our issues, right? Uh, definitely very, very good. All right. So uh, before we move on, let's talk about the last sort of category, I guess, of of products, which would be sleeves. There are penny sleeves. There are perfect fits. There are sleeves just to play your cards with. Uh, there are sleeves that you might just use for binders. What where do you stand on the best sleeves in the market? And I think the answer is pretty clear. Um, but I, I'm I'm interested to see if you uh, agree. I feel that the best sleeves on the market are currently the KMC Hyper Mats, and that's woo! not just KMC, but the specifically, specifically. their Hyper Mat brand. Did you woo because you enjoy them as well? Absolutely. Those are the ones we think are the best. Yeah, yeah and every and single just... one of my decks is in the, are in those now. Me too. Me too. And someone once described to me the hyper mats. I like put them in his hand and he goes, wow, that's like butter. And that's exactly <laughs> right. They shuffle like butter. They have got, they do, they do not get sticky. You do not have to force them down when you're doing mass shuffling. They have got the best shuffle feel that I've ever felt. They are perfect for double sleeving. In fact, KMC is the manufacturer of 
perfect fits, which is the best inner sleeve to use for double sleeving. And so these were designed, while all the other companies seemed to be very clueless about the fact that more and more people were double sleeving and needed inner sleeves. And, you know, Ultra Pro offers Pro Fits, and they recently redesigned them because the original ones they offered wouldn't fit on your cards properly, would actually bend and curl up your cards or not completely cover it, and, and just a disaster. KMC made the best inner sleeve the perfect fit, and they designed KMC see hypermats for double sleeving it works for single sleeving too just fine they yep. are my top pick of sleeve i they make a really big difference when you're shuffling too yeah which obviously is something i'm worried about so yeah that that's one of the big things is they're like when they say they're like butter that's that's the thing is like when you shuffle them they just feel really good absolutely and if the one con that they have is that they don't have an indestructible nature, which, of course, we'd all like in our sleeves. We'd like them to never be <laughs> capable of splitting. I have never had one split on me, but just in terms of an endurance test, uh, they are not as indestructible as, say, dragon shields. And dragon shields are like deck armor, a deck tank. They really are the least likely to ever split. And so if you're someone who's a really, really heavy duty mass shuffler who just is really brutal on their cards and doesn't double sleeve and just is sick of sleeve splitting because of your brute force, you might check out some dragon shields. They've actually redesigned them recently though. And the new ones are not as indestructible, not as tough as the old style. They've made it so that they lie flat, which is nice because right. old style dragon shields always had this curl to them and it, it always would come out. It wasn't a big issue, but people were unhappy with that curl. And so they figured out a new factory process. I actually spoke to them about it and they have them lying flat now, but unfortunately they've lost some of that toughness. And so I do still like Dragon Shields. I still consider them to be A- minus quality, but I really exclusively use KMC Hyper Mats these days. I've never had one split on me, and if it does, it's not like a lesser brand, which is like Ultra Pros do not last. They are designed to get thin and split fast like they'll last right. you a season and if you've got old ultra pros by the way like because a lot of your viewers are probably gonna say wait a minute i've got a set of ultra pros from 10 years ago they're the best sleeve ever made and you are right viewer 10 years ago ultra pro was the best sleeve ever made that's when they were manufactured in a completely different factory it was in the usa and they were one of the first premium quality sleeves that got made when magic in particular started taking off Unfortunately, they never split, and so they didn't sell very many of them, and they decided, hey, why don't we just lower production, lower quality, and ship it overseas, and if they're constantly breaking and people need to constantly resleeve them, then they'll be constantly buying them, and so oh that's unfortunately it's where like we're at today. Obsolescence, it is planned obsolescence. <laughs> it is absolutely planned obsolescence. I, I will... I will say that uh, for Commander, you know, because the games take so long and the nature of it, I'm less worried about how indestructible my sleeves are because I don't, sh you know, you just don't shuffle as much. Now, if you're playing standard, right, or even you know, like you can play. And you have fetch lands. Left yeah, and right. if you're if you're like testing with your buddy for standard, then you can play that deck like you know ten times in an hour. But you can't do that with commander. Right. So the most you're going to shuffle in a session is what three times. <laughs> like you know, that's 
it's, and that probably not even with the same deck. So, you know, you don't want them to break after a couple usages, but I feel like they're going to last longer than they will in your in your other formats yeah. where you can just play a lot faster. Now, Absolutely. a couple of things to note, too. Uh, unfortunately, Hypermats from KMC come in packs of 80. Yeah. So in order to get enough for a commander deck, you need to buy two sets of them and because they're imported from uh japan i believe they also cost a little bit more so you're usually in a little bit of a tougher situation but it's the same uh idea as buying a deck box that's going to last you a while or a binder that's going to last you a while you're doing it so that you are having quality over sort of i guess price the pricing point being a little bit lower and i think the few dollar difference is definitely going to make itself known in the long run um and also another thing that i've noticed with older dragon shields and just a lot of sleeves in general is that you know you buy a box of 100 and 50 of them are cut to a certain length and the other 50 are just slightly higher than the other ones and right. if you want to get really nitpicky about it if you're going to like a really hardcore tournament that's technically illegal because your card sleeves are different lengths you sh- you might be able to get an incremental advantage by knowing what cards are in what sleeves KMCs I've never had this problem with, and I bought KMCs from like a year ago, and then the ones I buy today of the same color still have the exact same length, and that, to me, I'm a little bit OCD about that, so that actually makes a big difference. Well, that's very unusual for a Magic player to be OCD, I will admit, but <laughs> actually, I think I think Magic the Gathering, especially when you get into some of these intense collections, and I'm, I'm sleeving my cardboard in plastic inside other plastic and playing it on a mat <laughs> of neoprene plastic, you know, to keep the cardboard and the plastic both clean, we definitely satiate some of those OCD desires. I'm definitely very OCD <laughs> in that way, but you're absolutely right. And the other thing is, is like I said a little earlier, is that if you are willing to sacrifice the joy of having, you know, I mean, we all love doing this. I do too. Having all the different color sleeves for your different decks. So your Orzov deck is in white sleeves, but your Sapling deck is in green sleeves and and you enjoy that. But if you're willing to just pick a color that you love, then you do not need to buy a hundred of green and a hundred of white. And so you're buying really 160 of green and 160 of white with the KMC. You just purchase the white sleeves as you need them. And and if you've got multiple decks, then you're going to need more than a hundred anyway. And so you might be able to work out a bulk deal at your game store or buy a a large supply of them, something like that. And I, I really recommend that sometimes it depends on you your needs and what your finances are as well. But I have really found that by choosing one color, you don't need to unsleeve in between decks. And every time you pull a card out, now if you double sleeve, you're protecting your card, but if you single sleeve especially, every time you pull your card out of a sleeve, put it back in a sleeve, pull it out of a sleeve, put it back in a sleeve, so you're changing it from one deck to the other or whatever, there's friction going on there in a very small, subtle way. And if little bits of dust or or debris gets through that top opening, this is how the tops of your sleeved cards can still start to look faded and scuffed and a little not-so-minty-mint anymore. And if you get in the habit of sleeving your cards when you get them and keeping them sleeved for as long as possible, then they're going to get a lot less of that friction. They're going to stay looking minty-mint a lot longer and much more likely that those expensive rares will retain their value. So it could yeah. be in your best interest to kind of pick your color. They got about half a dozen colors now in the, the red. Oh, and the white, by the way, this is very rare. The white KMC hypermats are completely opaque. You cannot even a little see through them. And so there's all these white sleeves on the market today, but they're, they all have some level of transparency. 
And now, obviously, for actual tournaments, that's the sort of thing that could get you disqualified, especially if it's like a double-faced card. But right. most players just, again, that kind of perfectionist attitude that we Magic players often have, we don't want to be able to see through those sleeves even just a little. And hypermats are one of the only white or light-colored sleeves I've found that are 100% opaque. You cannot see through them uh, into the card. And so that's really fabulous. The white ones are just gorgeous in that way. I, I do actually have multiple colors. I don't follow my own advice entirely. <laughs> I, the red is gorgeous and purple is really nice. I like all the different colors. Yeah, I as well. Um, and also like if you, I mean, to reduce the friction too, if you are double sleeving in general, you can always keep the cards in that perfect fit forever. You know, yeah. you can move that around and you can save a lot of the uh, the hassle and worry of scratching your cars up as they come inside and out of sleeves. Exactly. Let, a, let alone the one disastrous day where you are at the kitchen table or the game store and someone spills their thunder muscle energy drink all over the table. <laughs> it, yep. it, it, I mean, it really works. There's videos already. I maybe should do it on my channel at some point, but you can drop a double-sleeved card in a bucket of water and the card is safe in there you can throw it under the sink and so a quick spill on the table and your 80 dollars judge promo is safe it oh i whenever i see someone with that 80 dollars judge promo and that thousand dollar commander deck and it's in single sleeved in an ultra pro and in a little cardboard or plastic cheap box i i never can understand why they stopped at a thousand dollars and, and, went th to and then suddenly like it was 20? like right it's like what are you talking about twenty dollars i'm only spending ten you're out of your mind and here's my here's my hundred dollar therese nielsen judge promo mountain you know and I, I just cannot for the life of me figure that out like protect your investment protect your love protect your treasure Absolutely. But if you are buying like for your car, one of those things you put on the front, don't. You don't do that. No, no, don't, no. Don't get a, a bumper protector for your car, but do <laughs> it for your cards. Yes. For sure. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> Public service announcement. Yeah, card, you say it for me. I hate seeing Don't have a bra things. on your car. Right. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah so, de definitely don't do that. <laughs> so some final words. Let's talk about just sustaining your storage for the, the long term. You know, it, it, we've talked about the BCW boxes. We've talked about um, getting sort of the mono, like other monolith deck boxes or the um, Ultra Pro Satin Towers and stuff. So I would say, like, what do we have any lasting words for the long term? You know, outside of just be diligent with how you store stuff and keep up with storing it, are there any more words of wisdoms from, I guess, either of you, Josh? You're included. Even no, though. I'm I'm the worst person to ask about this. The <laughs> professor clearly is the expert in this arena. In fact, uh, we're going to have to have you on at least ten or twelve more times because the amount of knowledge you've got about this stuff is staggering. So, uh, it, it would be know. it would be an absolute honor. But I would say this: don't leave piles of. We all have the master in pile right of unsorted cards i've got it you just come back from pre-release you just come back from buying a booster box or or whatever you just come back from a binge trip to your local game store and we've got all these cards that are not sorted and we don't have the time for it right away we and so it goes in the to-do pile don't leave unsleeved cards sitting out on your desk for extended periods of time like have an extra BCW box that is the two sort box because mm -hmm. the temperature 
is changing in your room, whether you live somewhere dry or especially if you live somewhere humid, the temperature is changing over the course of a day inside your room. Uh, if you've got a desk and there's a window in there that's open, the wind is coming in. And sometimes when these cards are just left exposed and open in a giant pile, it can actually have an effect. And sometimes you might pick up a pile and see that they've slightly curve just a little bit and that now they can make a little popping noise as you flip them back and forth in your hand. And that comes from a lot of the temperature changes. I really recommend that even if you're not on top of the organization, have a box that you keep them in to keep the temperature a little more constant right, to right. keep them safe from the moisture is your enemy, especially for foils. Never leave a foil unsleeved. My goodness. Like, like at the very least, put the foils in the binder sheets because moisture is the enemy. I've got a foil in front of me right now that I'm doing an experiment on where I've just left it on my table uh, in my downstairs office for about two months and it's curling up to make a perfect O. And that's just because of the extreme temperature changes down here and moisture in the air. Right. Obviously, regular magic cards hold up really well, but they hold up really well in a shoebox, in a BCW box, not sitting on your desk. And if you've got those giant piles on your desk, get them into a BCW box for that long-term sit until you organize them moment. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's good, it's good advice. I lived in Hawaii uh, for in, in 2013, and um, I noticed all my foils, even in a box, because it's so humid there, yeah. just curled up like crazy. So, you know, that it definitely can happen, especially with the foils. Yeah. So and it's very hard to reverse that as well. It's almost impossible. It's, I haven't yeah. found a way. It's technically impossible because what's happening is, is that the cardboard is expanding and contracting with the moisture and humidity in the air and temperature change, but the foil layer does not expand or contract. And so what happens is, is the cardboard literally forces or bends that foil layer and when the cardboard changes its its size ever so subtly again, the foil layer is permanently warped. It's like if you take a piece of plastic and bend it, that does not bend back. You can right. flatten it, but you're just bending against the bend that's already there. And so this is why foils curl. If you are somebody who has that tricked out, pimped out EDH commander deck, you should double sleeve because moisture is your enemy. And so double sleeving is your friend and storing your cards in perfect fits inside your binder or portfolio is the best way to keep those foils flat. I do any foil that I have of any value that isn't just some, you know, never going to use it foil common from Innistrad or whatever. It's in a perfect fit, at least at all times, because that is the closest you can come to laminating your cards is a perfect fit sleeve. And that's also why I like storing it in the perfect fit in the hypermat in the Legion Dragonhide or Zipfolio from Ultimate Guard because then it is the least likely to be exposed to air and I'm very proud of how flat my foils are and that comes from as soon as I get it, it goes in that perfect fit and it never comes out. Yeah, absolutely. Damn, damn both of you guys because I'm literally sitting here considering double-sleeving stuff now. Join <laughs> us. Join it's gonna take us. so long. It does. It's also gonna cost, and it's gonna cost more because you gotta buy Netflix those in the background. Just watch something while you do it. You'll feel yeah. better about yourself. Uh, 
I don't um, want to do it, but now I'm thinking about it. All I right, mean, let's move on to the end step here. Yeah, so thanks so much, Professor, for coming on. You have a wealth of knowledge. I'm sure we'll bring you on again at some point. Uh, you and Wedge both uh, are have been lovely guests from across the world. It's been um, an absolute pleasure, and Wedge and I would love to have you guys on Dice to Removal. Yes, I would love to yes, come on. Yes, let's definitely make that happen. We're, we'd be excited to come on. Yeah, send, absolutely. S- send, send Wedge some vitamin C, though. He has to actually get his voice back first. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Wedge, as soon as you can speak again, then <laughs> then you know, then call us up and, and we'll hook that up. Yeah. Right? So, Professor, uh, let us know where we can find you online, where are your social links, how do we subscribe to you, etc. The easiest way to get a hold of me is just on YouTube at... Talarian community uh, subscribe to the channel would be awesome but even if you don't subscribe that's where I am I put out videos every Saturday and Tuesday with minor delays due to life I put out one today on dice bags encounters and life pads and that sort of thing uh, do product reviews mostly but also we've got deck techs if you want to see my taste of deck tech that's on there too and I'm on Facebook as well at Tellarian Community College. You can like the page on Facebook to keep up to date on the videos or on Twitter at Tellarian College. Those are the best ways to get a hold of me. Say hey. Uh, I try and answer as much as I can, but I can assure you I read every comment that I get on the YouTube videos, on the Facebook page, all the tweets. Twitter is a really great method of communication, I'm finding. Oh, yeah. I, I only signed up for it as I set up the channel. I had not used it previously, and I'm finding it's just a a, a really lovely service. There's a lot of jokes about it, but I'm finding it preferable to Facebook if I had to pick one. But the best way to get a hold of me is actually just on YouTube, Talarian Community. Hit subscribe, leave a comment, share with a friend. That helps so much. Absolutely. And uh, of course, as always, all these links will be in the show notes. And um, I mean, I can't thank you enough, Professor. I I love talking about this stuff because I get OCD about it. And hopefully we'll get Josh in the same camp very soon. We will we will bring him over to the dark side. I don't know about the double sleeving thing, but (laughs) you must. I'm definitely. Hey, how about this? I'm definitely buying a wooden deck box. That's definitely happening. How about I give you a pack of 100 double sleeves and you do what you want with them. But from me to you, it's free, bud. Think of your uh, foils. Uh, Think of your foils. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Don't forget about the foils. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, let's yeah let's move on to the end step here. I don't know if you're familiar, Professor, but we like to discuss um, something outside of the world yes, of magic. Just yes. touch on something cool that we're that we're um, you know. No, and I love that you guys do that. I think that it's important to to show that magic players are multifaceted and that there is other things going on outside of the world that can be of interest to us. So, Jimmy, you got something cool? Uh, You know what? It is very cool. Uh, I'd like to wish our editor, Eli, a very happy birthday. Uh, Today's his birthday. He works uh, endlessly on these videos uh, every single week. He is also just a really great guy, and uh, outside of playing Magic with him, we play Super Smash Brothers, we play Mario Kart, so he's a good friend, and uh, also, on top of that, happy Chinese New Year to everybody as well. Happy Kongi Fa Choi. Yes. Uh, and happy birthday, Eli. You know, if you want to shoot Eli a, um, a happy birthday on Twitter, he is at TVGA1. So those are the letters T V G A and the number one. Yeah, stands so, for um, the video game addict. Is that what it stands for? I had no idea. I just thought, <laughs> the more you. I never know. thought to ask him. Sorry, Eli. But happy birthday! Happy or you birthday, can leave a comment. Eli. 
Yeah. You can leave a comment on the uh, Rocket Jump uh, comment section. Uh, you know, like like Jimmy said, Eli does all the audio editing and he puts together the videos um, that I know a lot of people enjoy. So happy birthday, Eli. Um, Professor, do you have a cool thing you want to talk about? Yes, I, I, I just finished reading an excellent trilogy of books that I cannot recommend enough. It's The Magician's Ooh. Trilogy by Lev Grossman. I don't know if you have heard of it. It's kind of like an adult Harry Potter or a more realistic Harry Potter trilogy. If magic were real and you went off to magic school in college, what that would really be like in the world. And it's uh, just one of the best trilogies i've read in recent year uh the magician's trilogy by lev grossman uh, the final one just came out and i cannot recommend it enough i think people that are into magic the gathering would probably find it to be a very enjoyable read it kind of asks the question without giving away any spoilers if you did have magical powers the ability to cast spells like like in the harry potter universe is that really going to make you happy? What would you do with your life? And would you find any purpose to it? Or would you have similar problems of uh, being creatively adrift and ennui? And how would you perform and create and contribute to the world and enhance your life? And what happens when you get all those wishes granted? What do you do next? It's, a, it's just an engrossing, engaging read. I cannot recommend it enough. Ooh, excellent. That is awesome because I'm actually looking for a new uh, a new series to read because my cool thing is also uh, a couple of books Ooh, that I recently books. read. Books, Ooh. but I, but yeah. So literature my, my, uh, professor approves. Literature yeah. pre- professor <laughs> yeah, appro- I, approves. You're an English uh, teacher, yep. so that is I will take your recommendation highly on the Magician's Trilogy. Yes. Um, the books that I just that I just found and. Um, a little backstory. Uh, Ender's Game is like one of my favorite books of all time, and I usually end up reading it, um, rereading it like every couple of years. And I guess because Amazon has their algorithm, this you know recommended for you had this book came up uh, based on me reading Ender's Game recently and buying it for my Kindle because I, I formerly owned it, only owned it in paper. And um, it, it's a book called Red Rising. It's by a guy named Pierce Brown. Hmm. Um, and it's sort of like a cross between Ender's Game and The Hunger Games and Harry Potter a little bit. Um, and it's it's a sci-fi. It's, uh, you know, humans are out in space and there's sort of this um, dystopian society. And anyway, I won't go into it too much, but it's a very cool read. Uh, there's two so far. There's one called Red Rising and then there's another called Golden Sun. And the third book is set to release next year. So... You can catch up now and eagerly await the, uh, I think it, the third one's the final chapter. So, And in the meantime, you can read the Magician's Trilogy, which I hear on uh, f- on good advice that it's very good. So, Ooh, Very exciting. Sounds cool. I'll have to check that one out. All right. All right, guys. Um, as usual, you can email us at commandcast at rocketjump.com. We really appreciate We've been getting a lot of emails recently and uh, any questions you have or comments you have. Questions are awesome because they actually give us topics to talk about in future episodes, so we love that. Uh, and as always, the comment section on rocketjump.com uh, is a great place to continue the discussion, especially about um, all of this all of this hardware that uh, the professor has been talking about. And maybe there's some products that, that none of us have heard of that you really are liking. And we'd love to hear about that. Um, so definitely go there uh, to the comment section and uh, help everybody out. And I, I keep saying and, and there's nothing else to say. <laughs> and that's a wrap, everybody. So, Professor, thanks for coming and, on, man. Thanks we really so appreciate much, it. Thanks so much for having me. I, I hope that 
your viewers found this podcast helpful for their storage and sorting needs. Oh, absolutely. I found it helpful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did as well. That's all that matters. <laughs> um, so hopefully we'll see you at a GP sometime. Let's play Commander. I'd love to play with you guys. It'd be an awesome experience. I oh, would yeah, love Professor, that. are you going to GP Vegas? Uh, I am not going to GP Vegas. Uh, having a... Can we change your mind? <laughs> uh, uh, probably not. This is the way I see it. If I don't go to GP Vegas, I could probably afford to buy some Modern Masters too. So <laughs> with the money I'd save going to GP Vegas, I can actually buy the Modern Masters too. So that's probably what I'm going to do. All right. Well, if you change your mind, let us know. I we'll will. We're playing a lot of Commander there. I and, will. Uh, we'll be... All right. I might. Thanks I might. We'll show. see. Okay. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. All right. We'll talk to you guys next time. Have a good week, everybody. Thanks for listening. See ya. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.